he did not want to shoot. Versus if you went back and you looked at the games in the Bahamas when we are playing Baja Blast Tech, he's letting those things fly. <laughs> Cal was the coach of, our, of at least my childhood. Uh, I mean, I was always a tubby guy. Um, I was a tubby kid growing up. Just take um, Muhammad Ali at, then, uh, at center. Then you have actually to played for Kentucky, Kentucky University of players. Kentucky. Oh, daggone it, guys. I did not prepare for this. Because they're both going to be key contributors to a national championship team. No, do not tell me to relax, Zach, because I'm all in on this squad, and it's going to happen. What is up, Big Blue Nation? Welcome back. Matt Zach BBN here, joined by just one-third of my Twitter best friends, we got Wildcats hung in the house, and we are up to no good. And we're here for a little surprise episode, a little something last second. A ton has happened this week, and a lot more is going to happen before the next time we get to record. So I kind of just wanted to get some of the stuff out of the way. We got a lot to talk about. We got a Kyle Tucker article. We have a great exhibition game by Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, John Calipari, and crew. But first, WT, how are you doing on this fine Dia de los Muertos. I'm going to pretend I know what you just said there. Uh, I'm doing the pretty good. Cool. I believe you. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, Kentucky basketball, we are officially no longer in the preseason. The next time the Kentucky basketball team takes the floor will be for real. And that is so exciting for me. Um, otherwise, you know, doing good. Had some... Uh, um, marinara uh pasta marinara for a uh, dinner uh built a bed today got the be- uh, bed frame in from ikea got to put that together got to feel like a man for a little bit uh because i use tools and that makes me feel uh, about as manly as i can feel um so having a blast how are you doing i'm doing great by the way dia de los huertos is day of the dead uh commonly celebrated in mexico uh, maybe other Hispanic countries as well, but I know for sure Mexico, it's where people and celebrate, so just... people celebrate like their, uh, passed away family members. So I'm just uncultured is what you're saying. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, is this, um, uh, and I hate to be simplistic. Is this, is this the same plot as like, uh, uh, Coco Disney movie? I've never seen Coco, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, guess who's uncultured now? Oh, 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 my, uh. My Hispanic girlfriend from the other room said yes. She must have heard you. <laughs> oh, nice, sick, cool. <laughs> Thank I'm, you. I'm batting, batting five hundred right now. Uh, a, a holiday we both know, Halloween. Wt, you have a child. Did the child? I know. I know they're pretty young. Did they get to go on their first Halloween trip? Yeah, first Halloween. It was really fun. Dressed up as a hedgehog. It was very adorable. Um, <sighs> I dressed up as the late great Joby Hall. Um, uh, was nice. very fun. Had the uh, sweater vest and uh, the rolled up program. So that was really cool. Um, we got to trick or treating pretty late. Uh, so we were literally only able to go to one house. Only one house was still handed out candy, but we could still say we went trick or treating on this first Halloween. So I want to ask you it, it doesn't really matter too much when there's only one house, but let, let's say when they get two, three years old, and they start collecting more candy from more houses. As a parent, will you personally collect a candy tax? Are you one of those parents? 100%, because uh, why else would you become a parent? I mean, you get free candy, and you get to have fun with your kid. Uh, I will offer 
so humbly to carry the sack of candy for uh, him. But I will, of course, uh, he will, of course, not know how much candy is really in the bag. Uh, mm-hmm. So I can lie to him later. Now, so how... it's crazy how no one in our neighborhood will ever hand out Kit Kats to him. Uh, th- those are, you know, those are going to disappear somehow. Now, uh, how how crazy are we doing with these taxes? I've seen the likes of Big Blue Drew before said he takes up to sixty percent. It really depends on the age and the mathematical capabilities of your child. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're able to kind of deduce how much candy they got uh, throughout a night, then you have to be kind of sneaky. Um, but no, if they're like three years old, they don't need that much candy anyway. So have at it. Very nice. Very nice. The day what is, after. What is you? What is your go-to Halloween candy, by the way? Um, see, I haven't been trick-or-treating in a while. Um, I've never been a huge Halloween person. Like dressing up is not really my thing. Um, but back in the day, I feel like Twizzlers and like Snickers, those were like my two things. Like, if I was getting like a bag of Twizzlers or not a bag, like you know, like the mini wrapped ones or like a Snickers, not the fun size, like the full bar. If you got a full size Snickers, like that's a house you might go back to twice. Like that, that's a that's a productive stop. Oh, 100%. Uh, Trick-or-treating is kind of dying today, um, and I, I'm really sad by that. I, I think that we, as uh, a generation, need to bring back trick-or-treating, going house to house, um, not just doing trick-or-treat, not just go, going to the rich neighborhoods. We need to bring back trick-or-treating. It is a great tradition. I'm a big fan. So you want to talk some uh, Kyle Tucker? Yeah, the, the day after Halloween, something very spooky happened. Kyle Tucker wrote an article, and let me let me preface this: I did not care for the art article. All right, and every time I say that, people want to tell me, "Well, he's just doing his job. It was an objective article. He stated the facts. His job is to try to get clicks. It's the peak of college basketball. Like it's about to start. This is a great time to put out the article." I get all of that. I know he did his job. I'm not mad at him. I still did not care for the article being put out at that time. It was Coach K's job to win basketball games, but I didn't like when he got Zion and beat us by 40 in the Champions Classic. Like, I I could respect that, yes, you did your job, but I still didn't like that you did it. Like, it's the day before (laughs) Kentucky plays their last exhibition basketball game. I don't want to hear about some anonymous assistant talk about what Cal did wrong half a decade ago. I want to hear, oh, this is what Rob Dillingham's been doing, like in the gym. This is what DJ Wagner has done. Like, use your inside access to get inside the program and let me know, like, oh, Jordan Burks came in to play the three and the four. Now he's forced into the five. How is he embracing that role? Like, that's the stuff that I personally want to consume. I get that on a national stage. Kyle Tucker did his job 100%. But now it's like, here's this big distraction. Everyone's mad at Cal again. Everyone's on this like, oh, okay. Rah, 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 rah. It's like, why can't we just talk about the team and get excited? Well, I think you're a little bit proving your point. Um, if Kyle Tucker released an article giving an in-depth scouting report and interviews with the players, would they clear KSR's morning show to talk about that article. Would we be talking about that article right now? No. Would people be subscribing to The Athletic to read said article um, just for that? No. Um, 
I, my problems with this article honestly have nothing to do with Kyle Tucker. I think that he is doing his job and he's doing a really good job at it. Like his job at the athletic is to write articles that get clicks. Uh, and that's not necessarily clickbait, even though I do think this one was a little bit clickbaity, but it, it is an article with at least a little bit of substance. We can be a little upset about the timing, but can't be upset that he's doing it. Like you said, my biggest issue with the article is not again, not Kyle, but the fact that every single one of these sources chose to be anonymous. Yeah. And I get that that means it because they're anonymous, that means they get to quote unquote, like let, let it out, like get all the truth out. But you got to think these are guys that Cal brought into the program, sent out as a coach with a better resume, got them jobs that they had honestly no business getting before being at Kentucky and I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen a single one of those guys that got a head coaching job do anything of significance at that school. So these guys are going 500 at Directional State University, and they're out here complaining about the circle offense during, during the Wisconsin game. By the way, circle offense that had us at like a top five, top 10 offense efficiency in the country for most of those years. Um. So, like, I get it. These guys know more ball than me, and they know Cal better than I know Cal. But if you're going to say that stuff, put your name behind it. Or if you're going to say that stuff, say it to Cal first. I understand why Cal didn't reach out to comment, because he's like, I'm not getting involved. That there's nothing good that can come from me giving my take on whatever's happening. So, it's a, it, it's a good article at a bad time. I, I understand why Kyle did it. Kyle, please unblock me, please. Um, but it, 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 like you said, it's just sucky. I, I, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, yeah, the problem with the anonymous sources is they're not really anonymous. <laughs> that it's is like, also true. If, if, there was, if, there was, <laughs> if there was one source, just one, it was like one anonymous assistant, you would probably say, yeah, there's a 50-50 shot that that's Joel Justice. Are you telling me that there were five anonymous sources <laughs> and not one of them was Joel Justice? Not a chance. Like he, he's absolutely one of them. And it's like the quote where it's like, I don't trust, I don't trust my assistants at all. Well, Joel, you fumbled Jaden Hardy on the one yard line. He literally blocked off a time on ESPN to commit to Kentucky and you just ghosted him. You didn't say a word to Zion Williamson. I wonder why Cal wouldn't trust his assistants. Oh, Cal, just kept, Cal, Cal kept playing stall ball like he wouldn't like let his offense cook. I'm sorry that you recruited Devin Askew to be his point guard. You want him to let Devin cook? Come on. So it's kind of like, I, it's like, <laughs> yes, like, yeah, Cal probably had a lot to do with it. And I'm the big Cal homer, so it probably sounds like I'm defending him now. I get that Cal probably had missteps along the way. When you have the past three years of college basketball the way that we did, um, you know, he obviously had something to play with it, but I bet a lot of these anonymous assistants had a lot to do with it as well. Also, this whole narrative that Kentucky basketball has fallen off since 2015. Yeah, obviously, we don't have four final fours in five years, but we still had an elite eight where we're a Luke May shot away from going to a final four and probably win the national championship. We are an overtime game away against Auburn away from a final four. We are a pandemic away from another potential final four. 
which we won the SEC by like two or three games. It's not like we've been bad. We won the SEC championship in 2018 and had Shea, who's now a top 10 point guard in the NBA. It's like, not like we've been bad. Last three seasons, yes, but we're not going to group that all together and act like this has been just eight years of not good basketball. That's just a terrible take. Of course, the last three seasons have been bad. Like, I'm not going to deny that. But two seasons ago, we were a two seed. We were a, like, seven-loss team going into the tournament. We were getting picks from national media to go to the Final Four, and we uh, very honestly could have gotten there if we didn't have a backcourt that had, like, paper mache ankles uh, and a big man that could defend a pick-and-roll. Like, you, we we don't realize like we that team was so good and like it, we we were almost like we were the Tennessee we we turned into Tennessee yeah. that year we were like the best team in the country in January and early February and then stuff happened and it is what it is so like yes obviously the program is not where it used to be e, like even obviously the standards of 2010 to 2015 are impossible so not, I'm not even talking about that the last three seasons have not been acceptable by Kentucky basketball standards, 100% full stop. However, if you can't see the potential of the future, that's on you. And yeah, you may think that Cal's washed. Do you see what assistance he's bringing in? John Welsh might be the best hire he's ever made. Do you see how much different the offense is, even if it's just preseason, how much, how different the offense is? That's incredible, especially for a team full of freshmen. Uh, do you see how we've embraced the technology, embraced the three-point line, embraced skill over athleticism, all in one offseason? That is insane. And then you look at 2024 and 2025, those recruiting classes, oh my gosh, that 2025 recruiting class, uh, along with who we bring back, might be our best team since 38-1. and one. Like, the program is not dead. I understand people criticizing it. I've criticized it. Go back and look at my timeline. I've criticized it to hell all last season. But if you can't also look ahead and say like, we are doing things different now than we were doing it the last three seasons, that's on you. We are back to being Kentucky. We're going to have to show it on the court. Obviously I'm not going to claim that we're back before we do anything, but like we are back to doing Kentucky things, the Kentucky way, the way Calipari wants to do it. Yeah. Going back to that 21, 22 team. I mean, we blew out both of the teams in the national championship game. We had the best player in college basketball who had one of the best individual seasons in probably this century, if we're just being honest. And that's my biggest problem with the article. Everyone wanted to talk about, oh, the timing is great. It's right at the start of college basketball. Sure, maybe if you're trying to get clicks, which I get is Kyle's job, but as a fan, I don't like it. I would have loved this in May. I would have loved it in June when I was complaining about Cal. Can you literally get a player on our team? We literally have five freshmen and two of them are rumored to leave. Like, that's it. And Reeves is allegedly taking classes at Illinois State. That's when I'd love the article. That'd be perfect. But now it's like all the things that you complained about in the article Cal has fixed over the past three months. And yes, I get we still have to go out there and win, but big picture things. It's like, okay, you adapt to modern basketball. You go and shoot a bunch of threes. You don't play stall ball. You let your guards cook. We had an entire vacation in Toronto where we just watched that for a week. We watched it in the blue-white game. We watched it in the first and second ex exhibition games. We have the players that support it. We have the coaching staff that supports it. And we have a Cal that is fully embracing this style of basketball. So that's my problem with the article. 
like the perfect time would have done it one to have been when we just lost in the second round to Kansas State or a month after when we have no one on our roster when Cal literally undoes everything that we just talked about in the article that's and then you like going into the season where the excitement's at this peak it's like let's go this is when I'm gonna like complain about everything Cal has done eight years ago I, I just ugh. You pointed out how we fixed a lot of the things mentioned in the article. Uh, we said we'd had a little Twitter interaction today where I said, here's some things I'm looking for tonight in Kentucky, in the Kentucky State scrimmage. And you replied with obviously a joke tweet saying yeah. for Cal to loosen up a little bit, the no circle offense install ball, Cal to trust his assistance and a return to the goal standard. If you look at the first three, we have done to a T every single one of those this offseason. Cal loosen up a bit. How many times has he said the words random basketball? in a press conference this year a head coach does not usually encourage his team to not run plays especially cal the last few years so he is actively encouraging his players to play random basketball the no circle offense installable have you seen our offensive sets we're running a bunch of zoom action a bunch of dribble handoffs a bunch of like real nba level action and it's so nice to see thank you john welsh cal to trust his assistance look at like well, what is it? What's the name? Is the Noah shooting technology? Is that what it is in yeah, the practice so. gym? Yeah, we we did not use that thing. We had it. We didn't use it for like two years. Do you think Tony Barbie knew sudden, what that was? <laughs> Tony, dude, Tony Barbie didn't know a lot of the things. Uh, John Welsh comes in and he's like, oh, you all have a state of the art technology that you're not using. Hey, Cal, trust me to run this and I will get results. Cal trusted a brand new guy he had never had as an assistant before. And look where our shooting is. Trey Mitchell and Antonio Reeves are shooting above 50%, both on over four threes a game in the preseason. Like, I, I, Cal is doing all of the things right right now. And I understand why people are skeptic. He hasn't done it on like a court that matters yet. Please be like, be skeptic. Fair. But also don't go to conclusions yet about the program being done before you see it on the court either. There's a little bit of middle ground where he's going to have to prove it. And come March, I'm anticipating that he's going to prove it. Now did, and then this comes back to what I'm saying. Did Cal like change or did he get a staff that enabled him to trust his staff and a bunch of basketball players that enable him to trust his basketball players? Like when DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard are your point guards and you have Reeves on the wing and Edwards on the wing, yeah, sure, go out, play fast. Please, you have the green light, take shots, go cook. When you have guys that aren't that talented and you have coaches that haven't worked that hard and aren't recruiting that well and haven't had success before Kentucky and haven't gone on and had success anywhere else, no, it doesn't look great. Like, I understand why Cal's not trusting it. But going into tonight's game, perfect basketball game. I made that tweet. Justin looked good. We've been looking for a good Justin Edwards game every single game. Every single game, I've picked him to be my MVP. And every single game, he's been bad. So at the end of the last podcast, I think I just picked Trey Mitchell just to get it off of Justin. Wouldn't you know? Like, first 10 points for Kentucky. Aggressive right out the gate. DJ Wagner looked great. Everyone looked great. Like, no one had a bad game. We shot the ball great. We were efficient on offense. We didn't have silly turnovers. Other than the very end where we were kind of just playing pickup basketball, the defense looked very sound. Didn't make a whole lot of mistakes on defense. Great team basketball. The score reflected what it should have been. It's not like we let someone hang around too much or come back. We blew a team out by 40-something points. 
perfect basketball game tonight. And that's kind of the reason why we ha- wanted to have this random episode because we look so good. How do you not want to talk about this team? WT, what were your big takeaways from the night? Uh, my big takeaways from tonight are that we are seeing different guys show up. We talked about this on the last episode where you need like four or five different guys to score 20 points in a game in a season. And we're starting to see that we're not going to have the situation last year where it's Reeves or no one. Um, or I guess Oscar could could get it as well. Um, let's see. I'm looking at the uh, stat sheet. So Reeves did go for 20. Um, Edwards had 17 in 27 minutes. He definitely could have gone for 20. Um, Mitchell had 15. If he had just shot more, he would have gone for 20. Um, I think based on Fierro, like if Adu keeps playing the way he's playing, I could see him going for 20 in a game just on efficiency. Um, and the amount of free throws he takes. Oh my gosh. Uh, Antonio Reeves gets to the freaking line, dude. It's insane. Um, but like, so, do, so does a uh, do Thero. Like, I thought he kind of had a quiet game, and then like in the second half, he was shooting free throws, and it was like he has seven of nine on the game, and he has one more right now. I'm like, a do would quietly have ten free throws. The only guy in college basketball that can quietly accumulate ten free throws. Yeah, uh, the the stat I keep going to about him last season is that he attempted more free throws than he attempted field goals, and I don't think he's at that right now. I'm looking at my stats. Uh, he attempted this preseason 33 field goals and 26 free throws, so he's right there. So uh, that if he now he's hitting him at a 65 percent clip, we need him to hit a few more of those free throws. But uh, that man gets the line. So uh, overall, I think it was a balanced effort. It wasn't like one guy dropped 40 and that's how we got to the 99 points. Uh, Balanced. You can attack from any point in the offense on any point in the floor. Trey Mitchell looks like he's going to be our best player. It was a very promising game. And it's not just because of the score. It's how we won. It's how we played. Yeah, agree. And it's the same thing in the Bahamas. Like everyone wants to go or not the Bahamas, Canada. Everyone's like, oh, the, the teams weren't that good. We got to see them against real teams. You can't spend all offseason complaining about how Cal was running his team, the way his offense looked. It, like, it's stall ball. We're looking conceptually at the team, the sets they're running, the flexibility they have, how he's just letting them go out there and play. That was 50% of the complaints in the Kyle Tucker article, and we're watching it. Yes, the defense is going to be a lot harder when we play Kansas instead of Kentucky State. But if we, we're still going to play the same way, like we're not going to throw the ball into the post to like Jordan Burks to go up against Hunter Dickinson. We're going to try to run the ball and outscore him and get him in the fast break. Like that's how we're going to have to beat Kansas. If we're going to get into maybe some negatives that we've seen this preseason, I there's very few. I very really like how we're playing. Um, One of the negatives, I think, is the versatility on the perimeter. Um, Both Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell are both shooting over 50% from three, which is absolutely insane. We're shooting 37.8% from three as a team, which is incredible. But that number is being mostly carried from Reeves and Mitchell. No one else is shooting above 30% in the preseason. Um, DJ Wagner shooting 29%. uh, Justin Edwards shooting 28%, Reed Shepard's shooting 26%, uh, Dilly shooting 22%. So um, we're seeing a bunch of guys that should have maybe not a knockdown shooter type of role, but 
should be hitting more than they are. I know it's a small sample size, but uh, we need to get like Reed going. He needs to be shooting like maybe 35% from three. Uh, Dilly needs to be around 30%, not at the 22% he is. DJ needs to pick it up a little bit. Justin needs to pick it up a little bit. So we can't rely on our two big shooters to go over 50% for the season. Yeah, and the four guys you just listed are all freshmen, which means that they're shooting with – like they're shooting a foot and a half further back. The defenders are probably four to five inches taller. I mean, what what was like the tallest player that Reed Shepard had someone guarding him out on the perimeter? Five seven. Uh, over there in uh, Laurel, <laughs> yeah, Laurel County. Yeah, uh, so you, they I, would put their best defender on him, and he'd still be like my height. Yeah. So it might not be ideal for when we play Kansas in I don't know what is it nine days now. I think we play him the eleventh. But if we're talking long-term, I mean, Reed's going to be a 38, 39, maybe 40% shooter. Dillingham, DJ are both going to be in the 30s, and I think Justin will be over 35%. Brandon Ramsey said that he he really liked to see that Justin Edwards knocked down a three. He went to the hoop all day. I think he finished the day like 7 of 10 shooting, um, if that is correct. Let me get – oh, 8 of 12. So he was 7 of 9 from inside the three-point arc, 7 of 9 on twos. And then he was also able to knock down an open three. He noted that's going to be huge for him to knock down because he's going to get them. And I think he might get them more than even Brandon like gave him credit for because with the way that our guards play and the way that Justin could attack the rim, he is going to get feet set standstill threes. People are going to be so worried about him attacking. They're going to be so worried about Dilly attacking. Reeves attacking, Reeves coming off screens, DJ attacking. You can't leave Mitchell open. I think he's going to get quite a bit open three. So I, I expect him to be a little bit better shooter at this stage. Um, so I, I don't know how high his volume will be, but he will get open threes. And I, I think he'll knock down a high percentage just because of the good looks he's getting. And that's a credit to the guards, the depth that we have, the style of basketball that John Calipari is having our team play right now. If you had to guess... And without looking, I know I posted the cumulative statistics. How many free throws do you think DJ Wagner has attempted in the entire preseason? So are you including Canada? I'm including Canada, and I'm including the two exhibition games. So no blue-white, so that's six games, I think? Six games. Free throws by DJ Wagner. I feel like he hasn't taken a lot. I'm still going to guess around three a game. I'm going to say 18. Uh, He has taken three. Oh, Okay. Three total free throws. So not three per um, game. <laughs> not three per game. No, I thought you were gonna hit it right on it right on the nail, but no, he's taken three total free throws in six games. And for a guy that's touted as a drive first guard, a physical that's guard. a little concerning for me. A physical guard. And he's gotten to the rim at times, but also you if you go back and watch the film of today's game, there are times where he has a little bit of a step on his man but he backs it back out because either he is scared to turn it over. He doesn't see a lane. Uh, he's got to learn how to use his body at the D one level to draw fouls, to finish through contact because uh, pretty much the only time he's going to the basket right now is when it's wide open. Uh, we need to get him uh, to the line a little bit. Trey Mitchell, uh, our five man has also only attempted four free throws in those six games, <laughs> which yeah. I understand more from him because he's more of a pick and pop guy. He's not going to be like, finishing stuff at the rim in traffic so like i get that one but having dj only at three free throws is uh is a little bit odd 
Yeah, that is really what is what is Dillingham at? Dillingham has shot five. Yeah, so the two guards that are drive first, like penetration point guard, they should have more free throws than that. I wonder how many like fouls drawn they have. Like, I wonder if they're beating guys off the dribble and they're fouling them before they can get the shot off. I don't know how to track that stat. That's more like a film room thing. That's the only justification I could think of it. But either way, they, they need to have more free throws than that. Yeah, Antonio and uh, Reed are getting to the free throw line way more often. Uh, Reed has 11 free throws. Antonio has 20. So um, it's not necessarily people aren't getting fouled. It's they're not getting to the basket. So I don't know if that's an easy fix or if it's just play style or maybe that's what Cal wants. Cal wants to get that like finish through contact out of them. He wants them to play with a little more finesse. I really don't know. It's just something that jumped off the stat sheet for me. The thing that's been jumping off the statue with me uh, in Canada and specifically the second exhibition game, the assist numbers and the assist uh. to turnover ratios, we had made 37 shots tonight and 25 of them were assisted. And that is incredible for a team that allegedly has zero point guards. 100%. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good old, our friends at field of 69. So, uh, and again, I'm just obsessing over these cumulative statistics. Uh, check out my account uh, for to take a look at them. But uh, this preseason, we have 145 assists to just 62 turnovers for a 2.3 assist to turnover ratio, which is really good as a team. That's good for us for just a point guard. But that's our team assist to turnover ratio. Dillingham has 25 assists to seven turnovers. Reed Shepard has 27 assists to nine turnovers. Wagner has 27 assists to 10 turnovers. Like, these guys are sharing the ball in it with the eye test. We see it. And on the statue, we see it. Um, but no, Cal just runs the circle offense. Yeah. Speaking of field of 68 and our good friends of the show, uh, Jeff and Rob, um, kind of a cool thing. Our friends over at Cats Coverage, they're having their basketball podcast go on the field of 68 network. So I think they just dropped one last night. I've not got a chance to listen to it yet. I should have. I missed the live stream, and I was too busy at work to listen to it today. But if I if I know Trace, he's going to put out great work. Very exciting that they at least have a Kentucky voice. Someone on the field of 68 Network that I know has watched a Kentucky game or knows somewhat what's going on, because you can just have their most prominent voice go out there and be like, yeah, Kentucky doesn't have any point guards when literally they have three, like three of the top six freshman point guards. Half of the top six freshman point guards are all playing for Kentucky right now, but allegedly we don't have any point guards. So it'll be kind of cool to actually have this very big platform, have someone in it that knows what the winningest basketball and program history kind of looks like. Yeah, I mean... I don't think we've shied away from our opinions of field 68, but we, we are big fans of uh, the guys over at cats coverage. So uh, uh, congrats to them. Uh, we'll be excited to listen to that podcast only. And the field of 68 <laughs> has not really shied away from their opinions on us either. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, oh. little, <laughs> little tip behind the scenes. look. <laughs> Good old Jeff. Um, yep. Yeah. I'm really excited for this team. Now it, it looks it's weird because we have a whole position group missing and we've only seen exhibition games. We haven't seen anything integrated, but I'm going to put you on the spot right here. It is March. We are in like a sweet 16 game. Let's just say, who do you think Cal puts out there 
to close out a game and get us to the Elite Eight. Or we'll say it's Elite Eight. We're trying to go back to the Final Four. First time since 2015. We got four minutes to go. What's the lineup that John Calipari puts out there? Let's assume everyone's available, but you don't know how good the centers are going to be, but you know they're going to be available. Who's the five he puts out there? Well, I was going to say, I I was going to put Aaron Bradshaw, but uh, uh, someone with uh, like the Libyan flag in their name told me that he's not going to play this season because he got clutched. He's the next Jaden Sharp. Um, But if it were me, I do think the beauty of this this roster is that we're a little flexible. We can play to our opponents a little bit and their strengths and weaknesses. But based on what I know and what I think I know, at point guard, I'm going to have DJ Wagner. With four minutes left, I'm going to have at shooting guard, Antonio Reeves. Uh, small forward, I will have Justin Edwards. At power forward, I will have uh, Trey Mitchell. And at center, I'll have Aaron Bradshaw. Now, if you tell me with 12 minutes left, I'm going to have Dilly in there because Dilly is incredible what he does. But as of right now, and I I know most of it's based on reputation, he's been so good with the basketball. But I don't necessarily want him in the game with four minutes left right now. But he could prove me wrong by March, and he could be in there. Um, You could also see a do earn a spot as like a – physical rebounder and defender. Um, I think he's gotten beat on a few blow buys uh, in these games, but a lot of it's because these D2 teams are playing like four guards. And he's having to guard like a six foot two quick guy. Um, so a Duke could carve out a role there and kind of take Trey's spot if Trey isn't shooting 50% from three. Um, but it's kind of the beauty of having like eight guys that you can realistically see in that situation that you get to kind of toy around with it and you can make a substitution at the two minute mark and you don't feel like you're losing anything. Yeah. And you didn't even say like Reed Shepard, who is I might be <laughs> one of our better shooters and better perimeter defenders and probably highest IQ player. God, it, it's so hard to talk about Reed without <laughs> saying the same cliche. <laughs> We're so close to saying that he's like a plucky young kid. <laughs> like <laughs> Um, but yeah I have so tough man I have the same exact five as you and I also have the same exact two kind of like maybes it's like if Rob keeps up what he's doing right now and continues to get better which why wouldn't he because he's grown more than anyone over the past two months I don't know how you keep him out I don't know who you take out maybe you put Justin at the four maybe Justin isn't in your lineup maybe Reeves isn't ultimately it'll come down to like who's playing hot like we could say this right now and it'd be like, oh, if Reeves is shooting one of 15 again, well, that, that's who Dillingham goes in for, you know? I also right. think Adu could sneak in, like you said. He has one of the highest ceilings on the team. He also has a low floor, but he has a very, very, very high ceiling. Not as low of a floor as last year. Um, but I would say, like, Trey Mitchell is a safer player at the four than Adu. He's so consistent. But I could absolutely see if we're up, if we're like winning by four or five with four minutes left, we put a do in for Justin, which is crazy. Justin's a potential uh, number one pick yeah. in the NBA or in the NBA draft. But defensively, a do is a stopper and he's so versatile. I can see him being put in while we're up in order to kind of maintain a lead. I know people hate it. It's like, no, we got to keep the gas on. That's not how basketball works. You have to play defense. <laughs> yeah, it depends how you read that Kyle Tucker article. But, anyways. Um, no, the, the problem with the, the 2015 game wasn't just that we played stall ball. It's that no one could guard Sam Decker. They left that part out of the article, but 
and I'll stop they, being uh, salty for, about the article. Kyle they, wrote they a really good piece. <laughs> shot clock and all that stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, but yes, I think a do like as good and consistent as Trey Mitchell is, he will never have a play where he just like swats a ball and pins it to the backboard and then sprints down <laughs> and dunks over three people. A do can do that. <laughs> Trey Mitchell yeah. cannot. Adu can do that. So, and especially if like Aaron Bradshaw is spacing the floor out. Now he's not going to shoot over fifty percent from three like Trey Mitchell is right now. But if he could be a guy that is tall and spaces out the floor and could be that pick and pop guy, and you could have Adu be your physical bruiser that's like banging in the paint, I might like that more. But again, if I had to go safe option, probable option right now, yeah, DJ's our point guard one. Reeves is our best scorer and shooter. He's got to be at the two. Justin's our most versatile player. He can play, he could guard four different positions. He's a great rebounder for his size, great size on the wing. Trey Mitchell, most consistent guy at the four, can stretch it out. Probably our second best shooter, um, most veteran guy. And then at the five, it's your athletic seven foot one guy that could also space out the floor, but could also protect the rim, something we haven't had since kind of Nick Richards. I'm excited about this team, man. And I'm hoping we get some Zvonimir news. Uh, shout out to uh, 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 Skyline tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, was a, there was a tweet from at Knoxville Mitch, which I think is Mitch Barnhart Burner. Uh, Drew, Flank, Drew Franklin said something along the lines of Avisic missed tonight because of food poisoning. And then uh, Mitch Barnhart Burner uh, tweeted out in a reply, he must have had Skyline for the first time, <laughs> which was... Uh, probably the best tweet I've seen tonight. So shout out that I would love to see a Vichich soon. I keep like wanting to just be like, all right, he's probably not going to play. He's probably going to be kind of like freshman, even like sophomore year, Damian Collins, where he's super project. Like you throw him in there for a couple minutes. Doesn't really do much most of the year, but he might have a couple flashes and then you're like, whoa, why doesn't Cal play him more? But we've got a quote. Hold up. Oh, this is from the, this is, this is from Calipari. He says that Aaron Bradshaw will miss, quote, the first week or two of the season. And that's a direct quote. So it doesn't say he will only miss that. It's just at least going to be. Yes. <laughs> and I know, I know foot injuries, and I have been saying this on the timeline forever, that foot injuries are not something that you can predict. We've seen that with Jared Vanderbilt. We've seen that with P.J. Washington. We know this. Yeah. That being said, we saw Aaron Bradshaw taking jump shots before the game today. We saw him uh, on his Instagram show that he was doing workouts uh, at like 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, So that is a promising quote. I know people are going to hold Cal to it if he's not in uniform <laughs> on that third week. But that is a interesting, interesting quote. I'll at least say that. It's Shaden Sharp all over again. I'm kidding, of course. My favorite quote is from uh, Jack Pilgrim speaking on this situation. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, like I looked online on like WebMD and it said this is only supposed to be like six to eight week recovery. Why is it like five to six months? And Jack essentially said, yes, like if you twist your ankle, you can go back to like walking your dog and doing the dishes and walking to and from your like little office that you have at work, you can go and make yourself a cup of coffee. You can go to the fridge, but if you're seven foot two and have to play basketball and sprint back, 
and guard guards and shoot threes and handle the ball and rebound and sprint up and down the 92 feet 80 times a game, yes, you might need a little bit more recovery time than your average Joe at home. And not just that, if you re-injure it, you lose millions upon millions of dollars. Yeah, you're going to be careful whenever coming back. I mean, honestly, if we were playing in like a rec league, Aaron would have started playing like three weeks ago, I'm sure. But we're playing Kentucky basketball. We're going to play it safe, especially after getting burned with Jared Vanderbilt and a little bit of P.J. Washington. Yeah, the the whole Shaden Sharp comparison is stupid. Shaden didn't have to play a game and he was a top 10 pick. If Aaron Bradshaw is a seven foot one guy and has a foot injury that keeps him out for over a year, and it's not like he played spectacular in high school. Like you'll he, not be drafted. You, you will not. You will not go first round. He might sneak second round off a of potential, but that will actually cost him millions and millions of dollars to sit out. He has to go out and prove himself as a lottery pick. He's not gonna. He's he's not gonna walk into it. It, it, it it's uh, I, Shaden was the worst thing to ever happen to this program because no one's ever gonna get over that now and. Every, anyone that ever has an injury ever, it's it, it's going to be like, oh, it's just shading all over. So. I will say sometimes people are right about that. Uh, see last year. <laughs> he was hurt. He he couldn't go. At least, at least Cal has seen Aaron Bradshaw. That is true. He keeps giving these updates. Because here's the thing. If Cal never gave updates, you know what people would say? He hasn't seen him. When Cal gives updates and he's wrong about the most finicky type of injury that you could ever have for a seven foot two center, they say, "Oh, Cal's lying." <laughs> like, what do you want him to do, guys? <laughs> yeah. he, he tries to, and if he would have like gave a more realistic timeline and said the injury was like multiple months, everyone would have been like, "Oh, look how long he's out." So he, he can't win. Yeah. All right, I'm putting I'm putting it out there. We are now the next game is against New Mexico State in Rupp Arena, and it's a game that counts. We play 31 games in regular season. How many are we winning? What is our best win, and what is our worst loss? I, I'm stuck between 26-5 and five and 25-6. and six. I Talk think, me through it. I think our best wins will be our our best wins on paper will be Miami and Gonzaga at home. I think those will be the best teams we beat. I think that at maybe at Tennessee or at Arkansas, maybe one of those wins will be our most impressive because that's going into a hostile environment, a team that you know it will be their Super Bowl, not to overplay that narrative. I think but one of those I think we'll probably drop one of at Arkansas or at Tennessee. Um I think North Carolina depending on if we have centers, I think Baycott, it'll be a problem. I'm not too confident about Kansas. I think we could go in there and play well. I just think they're a more veteran team. They have lots of length on the perimeter. Our guards might struggle early, the young guys, and they have Dickinson who will just feast in the paint. Um, So that that's three losses. I think we'll have just one or two random ones in conference play on the road. At Mississippi State, I don't think Mississippi State will be good, but that's just one I've kind of seen on the calendar that I'm already just like, eh. at AM. That's where I'm kind of at the five or six games. Um, but I do think we beat Miami and uh, Gonzaga at home, and I think we win one very impressive road game. And I think that's where we are, 26-5. I do think we're a one or a two seed. I think we're too talented. 
Like, I think we can have bad games and still win. We haven't been able to do that in a while. I think we can do that this year. Uh, I've published my predictions. Uh, they're pinned on the top of my uh, account on Twitter. Um, I have us at 27 and four. Okay. And 15 and three in the SEC. I see this team, even as it is now, being like matching up so well with every single one of our opponents. So like against Kansas, I have that as a loss, but I can see us winning that game. Hunter Dickinson, we talked about it before. There's a reason why all of his teams have sucked. And it's not it's not just because of him, but like he can't single-handedly will a team to a win. And he's gonna have to guard Trey Mitchell on the perimeter. So there's that. Um, I think we match up very well with Miami and uh sneak peek. We're gonna do all that we can on our end to make sure that, that game's a win. Um I think we match up well against North Carolina. Armando Baycott is a worse Hunter Dickinson without a jump shot. So, like, I think that that is a game that we can absolutely win, and I think we'll have Aaron Bradshaw back by then, especially after Cal's quote today. Um, the losses I have on the schedule are can- uh, Kansas at Arkansas, at Mississippi State, which is one that you mentioned, and then at Tennessee to close out the regular season. Um, every other game, the SEC is stacked this year. I think Texas a and is a bit of a fraud. Um, I think Florida um, is good. I still think we beat them twice. Um, I think Auburn is okay. We do have to go there, so I can see us losing that game, but I think we're way more talented than them, personally. I think Alabama had to reload, and I don't know if Nate Oates can play that one-and-done style of coaching where he has to coach up a brand-new roster every time. Um, I, I, I really see this team being something special, and come March, I see us as uh, the one seed in the SEC tournament, and a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament, depending how teams in the Big 12 do. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm i very optimistic, and I know probably that's a lot of my blue-tinted glasses, but I don't see a ton of weaknesses in this team. Yeah, Florida is another team I didn't mention that I'm kind of worried about because they have, a like, a tall athletic center. Um, he From, like, Marshall, I think he was from. Like, uh, Bradley needs to be here because he would know him because he was all over him in the transfer portal. They have athletic wings, really tall athletic wings, and just enough white guys where you know they're all going for like 20-plus in Rupp um, or even on the road. So I'm a little worried about playing Florida. But, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm looking at the same games as you. I, I do think this team is a one or a two seed. I think they'll play very well. I have a question for you. Every year it seems like there's a guy that doesn't do much and then wins us a random game in like uh, January or February. Damian Collins comes in like we have the national player of the year and he cannot score or he's getting cooked at Alabama. One of the best teams in the SEC that year on the road, Damian Collins comes in us in Alabama, like the two best offenses in the SEC. We randomly win a game like 64 to 55. And a lot of it is because his defense at center going up against their tall athletic center. A couple months later, uh, all of our guards are hurt. Bryce Hopkins has to play the three, goes for like 14 points super efficiently. Um, got us like the scoring bump that we needed to get over LSU at home. Those were two random performances that come to mind. Who do you think is the equivalent to that on this year's team that will have one performance that doesn't really do much? There's only I think there's like four guys that could fall in front of this category, and I have a clear answer for my number one. I think... And this is going to be a weird one. I think against one of these like 
mid-major teams that we're going to struggle with. I don't think this guy's going to single-handedly will us to a win, but I think he might be the spark plug, like a Bryce Hopkins against LSU type of game where he's not the reason we won, but he's the reason why we started to win. Yeah. Uh, I have Jordan Burks. And I think that, uh, like, he hasn't played great. I think he's filled in well. Um, <laughs> he's played 106 total minutes this uh, preseason. He has a plus minus across all six games of plus three. So <laughs> we've we've gone six and zero, oh, and he's only plus three on the stat sheet. So that means he he's getting outscored a little bit. Um, but I think that against some of these. Uh, mid-major teams like a Marshall or like a St. Joe's or like a Penn, if we're struggling against them a little bit where it's like tied or like we're only up five in the second half, uh, he comes in and goes like dunk, block, rebound, lay up, block. And we're all of a sudden uh, getting back into it. So uh, I don't think that he's going to uh, drop 20 or anything. I think he could help us to a win. Yeah, when when I think about it, like we both had the same starting five and we had like Dilly and Adu, like first guys off the bench might be able to sneak in and then Reed as our kind of like eighth man to round out, round out that rotation, which leaves Jordan Burks, Joey Hart, Ugo in a Vsich. I'm just not getting my hopes up too high for a Vsich or else I'd probably put him. Oh, no. Joey Hart, I think, yeah, spark plug, maybe some minutes, but I don't think he'll ever be in long enough to truly impact a game. Ugo, really like Ugo, tempted to put him maybe just for one game. But I'm also like, I, you know, I love me some Ugo 14-footers. He's the one guy you have on our entire roster where you put him in and you're no longer playing a five-out. That's my one thing on Ugo. I agree with you on Jordan Burks, mostly because of his attitude this offseason. Huge shout-out to him. He played guard his whole life. He kind of played the three at OTE. He comes here to be a three, four hybrid and entire and all of a sudden, like an entire position group is missing. And now he has to play center and a guy that him, that's more like a finesse type forward. Like I just want to beat guys off the dribble and dunk and shoot threes because I'm four inches taller than the guy that's guarding me. Now I have to go be this physical bruiser in the paint. That's not my game at all but he's embraced it so well and he's played well, given the fact that he doesn't know the position at all. You look at him and when he looks bad, it's because he doesn't know the position he's playing. You're like, wow, does he looks lost. That's because he is, but he's looked better and improved so much in just a few months that I feel like we put him at the four in his natural position and we put someone bigger than him out there. And you're gonna be like, Whoa, this guy doesn't look lost anymore. Here's all the talent and skill we've been seeing and now it's where he naturally is comfortable. I think he's going to have a game or two where I, I, I don't know like what the situation is. Like maybe Mitchell has to play some five. Maybe Bradshaw gets in like foul trouble. Maybe a do isn't playing great and you put him at the four. And like you said, he won't go for 20, but he might knock down a three or two. He might get a fast break dunk or two. He'll get a couple big rebounds and you'll be like, wow, Jordan Burks had 10 and five today and a four point win at i i don't i don't know at old miss you know and like well that was a rough one but we grinded that one out so uh, i'm excited for jordan burks and shout out to him for really grinding out this preseason yeah who would have thought that he would come in and during the preseason play like over 100 minutes at the five 
that's wild not not oh, him man. like that's not what he committed to do here and a lot of people would have complained. a lot of people would have said no too bad play like a do at the five i want to play the three i mean chris livingston like was like i'm a two or a three when he's the most obvious four of all time jordan burks was like no you have to play the five like you don't get to decide between like three or four you are the center you are the biggest guy on the floor that's entirely responsible for rebounding and the attitude that he's had has been like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's see it. Let's do it. Uh, I love that. Um, Now I hope we get some other actual fives back, but uh, I'm excited for that. I mean, if he's, if he's taking it to Ole Miss, he'd be playing the three and he'd be touching the ball, like almost every single possession. So he's, he's signed up for a way different style of basketball, but I think it's going to pay off for him in the end. All right. We already did our Mississippi state score predictions, um, but we have, New Mexico State on the horizon. Would you like to log your official score prediction for our first official college basketball game of the regular season? Unfortunately, Buddy and Bradley don't get to partake in this. We can get we can get them to like text in their answer uh, just so we can post it or something. Um, this is a good so new uh, New Mexico State. Like even if I wanted to do research about them, you can't because their season got canceled last year, and they have literally an entire new roster. Calipari so, like, said they are a good team. I'm sure he did, and like, <laughs> there's genuinely no way to do any research about this team because it's all a bunch of little tiny pieces coming together, and they they don't play scrimmages on national TV, so you really don't know. But that being said, I think that we win this game, uh, 87 uh, to 63, and I'm going to put my MVP as Trey Mitchell. I will take 87 to 61. I really want to hop back on this Justin Edwards train. Go for it. But no, he plays bad when I pick him to be our MVP. So I think I'm just not going to pick him to be our MVP all year, but subtly, like, he'll be my MVP. Give me... Give me, give me, give me Reed Shepard. I like that. Reed Shepard showing up. That'll be his first real game in Rupp in front of his dad, in front of the Commonwealth. I think that'll be a special one. When he first gets subbed in, that'll be fun. I think he'll have like three or four threes and a bunch of assists, no turnovers. <laughs> Typical Reed Shepard game. Yeah. Well, uh, audience, be on the lookout in the next few weeks for uh, the very next Rupp to No Good kind of hashtag takeover. Uh, we've got some uh, plans in the works, uh, and we're going to need your help to kind of spread it around. Uh, we're not going to give away what it is yet, um, but uh, is, we're, we're trying to make it a big one, so stay do we, tuned. Do we want to give a hint on how people can begin to prepare for this? Hmm. They should probably board up their windows at their houses. If you see Bradley in your bedroom, don't worry, it's just a bit. <laughs> he will not hurt you no i'm kidding but um you may or may not want to book off a certain tuesday later this month that's all i'll say yeah so and, uh go cats we'll see you all in rep that's literally my my thing to say but yeah go cats <laughs> thank you all for listening we'll talk to y'all next week